Phantomaniacs, welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I am your host, Dave. And yes, you heard that right. I'm just Dave. Because this past weekend at Dragon Con, I unmasked in front of the masses and have decided that from here on out, For the purposes of paneling and everyday phantom-type activities, uh, I'm just going to be me, because basically I was just me all along, just with a goofy wrestling mask on, which some found off-putting, some found difficult to take seriously, and if you want the full story behind why the mask had to come off, you're going to want to check out supportphantom.com, where I will be updating uh, those sorts of things all the time. So the I took I will still be wearing the mask for wrestling events and for the Dirty Dirty Con Con Game Game Show show, but just in general, I'm just Dave. Hi, nice to meet you. And today, our episode is the panel at Dragon Con, which was my first actual panel this year at Dragon Con where I removed the mask and you will get to hear a, a pretty satisfying reaction. There are some gasps and and some uh, noises of awe and surprise, I guess you could say. So that that's it, it was it went about as well as it could go. And if you want more details on that, again I recommend supportphantom.com, but you will hear all that you need to hear as far as the panel goes, right here on today's episode. Joining me on the 1987 panel were our pal Michael Bailey, Rebecca Hunter, and Noel Wood, Gary Mitchell, and for the first time ever on the Sci-Fi Classics track, and in an official capacity on the Needless Things podcast, the lovely Nicole Gould, who is awesome and who I hope to hear an awful lot more from in the future because she's awesome and great and you're going to enjoy this because everybody on the panel is awesome and great and we had a really really good time i was actually just sitting here uh listening back to to some key portions of the panel just to see how the sound was and like what the energy was like and i i remembered it being a good pick-me-up for me because i i did not have a great night the night before this panel and, and that's actually something of an understatement it's it's the worst first night of Dragon Con I have ever had, but it's Dragon Con, so you you persevere because things are absolutely going to get better. And with the 1987 panel, things absolutely did get better, and with Sci Fighters as well. Now, there's a funny story behind this panel uh, that I'll tell you real quick because it is currently 7 o'clock in the morning. I have just worked my first shift back at work. I'm very tired, and my voice is not totally recovered from Dragon Con. But I I, I had my lousy Thursday night, which, again, I'll get into on supportphantom.com, but not here. And 
needed to pick me up. 1987 did it. Sci Fighters did it. Definitely. Sci Fighters uh, was a lot of fun as well. And I recorded both of these panels. And I did a costume change in between the panels because I had determined that for Sci Fighters, uh, we were going to do like a, a science experiment type look. We were going to be scientists determining official facts of who would win battles between beasts and mortals. And uh, I was the only one that did, but that's okay. Uh, you can also hear the story of how I met Nathan Fillion at supportphantom.com. I'm putting that over heavy today, apparently, which, you know, every once in a while you got to make the big push. You gotta, you gotta keep the the secret good stuff, the the top stuff, on the paid show. Uh, but in between, I, I did a costume change, so I'm wearing for sci fighters. I'm wearing a jumpsuit uh, and a lab coat and some big black gloves and some goggles. It was it was pretty cool. Like I, there's one picture of it. It's me and Miss Lady Flex. You can find it in uh, my Dragon Con 2017 pictures on facebook where you can also find a picture of me without the mask if that's such a thing that you want to see uh and after the panel was over i was kind of in a hurry just trying to get everything together and instead of putting my uh voice recorder in uh, a, a hip pocket or the lab coat pocket or back in my uh my not briefcase uh messenger bag thing I stuck it in my top pocket. Okay, so I'm wear, I'm wearing a, a I said jumpsuit. It's a speed suit, uh, basically just like what Doctor Venture wears. So I stuck it in the top pocket. Uh, went around, did some other stuff, and had to go back to the room and change because I had another panel at seven o'clock uh, with Tim Clark. Or no, I'm sorry, the Evil Clown panel was seven o'clock. And went back to the hotel room. Went to the bathroom immediately. And if you're familiar with how jumpsuits or speed suits work, you unzip it, you pull it over your shoulders, and I unzipped it, pulled it over my shoulders, and heard a kerplunk. And I was like, oh shit. My first thought was I had dropped my phone in the toilet, which isn't great, but I've got one of those champagne-proof phones, so I figured it could survive a quick dunk if I grabbed it out real quick. It's not supposed to be submerged, but I figured it would be okay. It's still, it's in the toilet though. But I turn around and it's my fucking voice recorder. And I was horrified. Uh, and granted, well, my first thought was, crap, my voice recorder. Now I've got to get a new one. And my second thought was, oh shit, those panels are on there. So fortunately, our pal Michael Bailey recorded the 1987 panel. So I knew I had backup there. Sci Fighters, however, was lost to the toilet. Fast forward ahead, uh, Red Ranger, I used my phone for the rest of the panels on the weekend. Red Ranger uh, lets me borrow his voice recorder that fortunately he finally unpacked after eight years. And so I, I recorded all the rest of the panels of the weekend. I, I didn't actually miss any panels. So over the coming months, as I have slots available in uh, Needless Things programming, I will post these panels. Now, normally, the month of September is just all my panels. But I did 10 panels and the game show and DCW Wrestling, which, granted, I didn't record those. But I've got a lot of content for you guys. 
and we have to go into our Halloween content in October, which granted, uh, two or more of the panels would be appropriate for that, but we're, we're going to see how everything plays out. And I, I'm not going to like rush to get all of these posted. They'll just go up over the next few months as, as they can be slotted in because now, you know, in, in previous years, I also didn't have the needless commentary, which this month I'll go ahead and tell you guys so you can be anticipating it. This month's needless commentary is something a little bit different. We are going to get together and watch the Star Trek Discovery pilot live, record a commentary afterward, and post it that week. So, we haven't done anything that new before, so it'll be kind of something special, but it's Star Trek. Uh, some of us on the commentary team love it, some of us on the commentary team could probably take it or leave it, but I think it's going to be interesting to get different perspectives and to respond to this thing in real time and bring it to you guys. And that, I think, is as much intro as this episode really needs. Remember, go to supportphantom.com for all of the extra goodies, all the behind the scenes, the reasoning for the mask coming off. That'll be going up uh, very soon now. I've already recorded two different versions of uh, the first day of Dragon Con. We'll see which one makes it up. And now it's time to go... Back in time, live at DragonCon 2017, Geek Year 1987, with your pal Dave and Michael Bailey, Rebecca Hunter, Noel Wood, Gary Mitchell, and Nicole Gould. Enjoy. So you know, I'm going to turn it off until you use it. Okay. That button right there. Okay, cool. Excellent. Is pie really that easy, Gary Mitchell? No, pie's not that easy. Yeah, I feel like that's a... Horribly, multiple times a pie. I feel like that's a fallacy. Yeah. I mean, eating pie is easy. Are we talking about the drink or the food? No, no, like eating pie, super easy. Yeah. Making pie. Like actual, like baked pies. Yeah. Like Renaissance people make. I know we need it for Star Wars, we need my wife could Nobody makes do pies. Do, you, do any of you guys make pies? I make pizza pies. Like actual pies, pies, not like the actual the jug. Pies. Oh, cool. Well, actually, is it easy, though? <laughs> making pies is not that difficult. Uh, look, we, we don't need any wishy-washy in here. <laughs> I mean, are pies easy or are they hard? Really? That's all based on genetics. <laughs> hey Easier than like a the, the crust. Ooh. The, the crust itself isn't the issue. It's the filling. Now, if you if you qualify that that's well done it's just, easier than a souffle i would never even attempt a souffle because yeah. honestly i'm not I'm quite sure what a souffle, a souffle is it's a wrestling move where they pick you up oh right the oh, souffle. Yes. i get you just okay. so you guys know that makes sense the hotel has not provided water pictures yet but we have waddle water so feel free these disanis are okay tremendous it's, that's good because i already yeah. drank yeah, this cause... one <laughs> <laughs> i was like i'll make myself at home that's good because the classics track uh, is home, and you're right? also you're also enjoying the champagne of beers. I am. I, I said the classics the track is yes, home. Oh, very Thank nice. Thank you. you. Missed it. We've got another minute. We got one minute. 
to, to, what do we do for one minute to get all this nonsense out of the way? I already sang a song about Roman. So, I mean, it's up to you guys. I already talked awkwardly about my childhood, so. Uh, yeah, we're, we'll get there later tonight. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Man, did you want to see a picture of one of the pies? Yeah, bring me a picture of a pie. Would you like to see a picture of a pie? I definitely want to see that. I'm going to... Hey! It's pie. Oh, my gosh. Now, see, that does not look easy at all. <laughs> the difficult part was I had to make it... Um, those are dongs. Those are dongs? Did you say those are dongs? Wait, wait, I'm sorry. I need Whoa. to see it. Whoa! <laughs> I don't like you I shouldn't have what? said that into the mic at, at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I Dong as in the sound that a bell makes. No. Earlier I made allusion no. to, to the difference a, between roaming and Romans, and this is the, the bells. <laughs> dong, dong, right? Right. Okay, and, and on that bell so, chime, I think it's time to start, Gary Mitchell. Do you want yeah. to try this? Oh, the pot? good. Lord. Later. Later. Are you trying to remind me of my tragedy? Yes. I want you to experience nothing but pain. Oh. He had a whole bottle of this. Okay, you guys. This poor gentleman right here. Tell tell us your sad story. So, uh, a, a friend of mine bottled up a uh, some alcoholic apple pie and some pumpkin pie and he gave it to me in a bag and I'm walking from our dinner on Wednesday night to our hotel room and all of a sudden I hear glass breaking and I look down and the apple pie no yeah, this broke box. all over the front of the Hyatt. Now, it's not the saddest thing that has happened in front of the Hyatt during Dragon Con. <laughs> but, it's be at least like but it was tragedy for thing. me. Now, I will say, the pumpkin pie survived, and oh my God, was it good. <laughs> at least there is a, a somewhat yeah. happy but ending to, to that. To the apple pie. To the apple pie. To the... Yeah. Delicious water for me. Yeah. Sparkling water. That's right. Gotta hydrate. Hydrating and gyrating all day long. Alright, uh, Gary, do you wanna, do you wanna do, do the classic deal? track open and then I'll do the panel open? That works for me. Okay, that sounds good. Alright, so ladies and gentlemen, Dragon Con 2017! It's Friday! that on Monday. Uh, my name is Gary Mitchell along with Joe Crow. I am director of the American Sci-Fi Classics track. Uh, this is our sixth year. Uh, just a few quick notes. First, DragonCon, as always, is doing a charity. There's a donation bucket up at the front. This year's charity is the Special Olympics. DragonCon is going to match up to $100,000. So whatever we donate. So throw your shekels in the bucket. Uh, for a charity event tonight, we will be screaming. I can't talk. We'll be screaming. Yes. That's going to be a problem on this panel, Gary. <laughs> yes, I know. We are screening the Star Wars Holiday Special. We're going to do a quick panel. We're going to do a quick panel, then we're going to start it. We're going to lock the doors. <laughs> the only way you get out is with a donation. <laughs> you will want to leave. And, and if you make it through the entire movie, I will lip sync the Meatloaf Special Olympics song from 1987. <laughs> and, and on top of that don't think making it through the movie gets you out of donating because they just started over again when it's done. <laughs> yes. uh, if you are using the DragonCon app, please rate the panel. Apparently people are having, um, they changed it this year. You have to click on the, it looks like a little clipboard. Uh, if you enjoy this panel, five stars. If you did not enjoy this panel, it's five sarcastic stars. <laughs> DragonCon loves irony. Yes. And I believe that is everything. Also, we have a Facebook group. There's a sign that's going to be going up. But I'm going to get out of the way and let Phantom take over. 
All right, Classics Track Room, how are you feeling today? Some of you may know me, some of you may not. Uh, I'm going to fix that right now because I got to tell you guys, uh, I'm I'm tired. I'm very tired, and uh, this. <gasps> I'm done with that. That's uh. This is on par with Kiss taking off the makeup. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You have a face? Are you going to sing Lick It Up for Look, us Look, I'm uh, <laughs> Tune in. Tune in. Uh, no, I'm, I'm just, I'm very old. I'm old enough to remember 1987 clearly, and uh, I feel like my face at this point has degenerated enough to where it's not so gorgeous that it'll just blind everybody in the room, so <laughs> this isn't really necessary anymore. No, I just, you know, I've been doing this for like 10 years, and it's it doesn't breathe well, it's tight. I As I talk over the course of the day, it edges up under my chin, so that's enough about me. Anyway, hi! Hi! I'm, I'm, I'm Dave. Hi, Dave! Hi, Dave. Uh, I am the owner and operator of NeedlessThingsSite.com and the Needless Things Podcast. And today, we are going to be talking about the year 1987. Woo! So, I want to introduce the panelists up here. I have carefully selected some folks who, like me, are old enough to remember 1987. I'm going to start down at the end here. Everybody, please welcome Rebecca Hunter. Rebecca, what grade were you in in 1987? Oh, I'm not telling you how old I was in 87. I would completely lose my credibility on this panel. Ooh. Let me just say, I love the 80s. I mean, I was a decade that could come back, so I'm hoping to impress you today with my skills. There you go. Noel Wood, welcome back to... to and look, look, I'm working with a couple of different tracks this year, so you guys got to keep this on the DL. But, Noel, welcome back to the greatest track room at Dragon Con. Yeah! It's the only one I need to even support. There you go. Uh, to my left is Mr. Michael Bailey. And and I want everybody to understand, I, the story that he told before we started may have turned you a little bit. It was that bag's fault. It was not Michael's yeah, fault. Yeah, it, was, yeah. it was a bad bag, structurally weak. And finally, uh, well, not finally, because Gary's going to be partaking as well, but you all know Gary. Nicole Gould, welcome. This is Nicole's first panel for the Classics track. Yes. So we've got to let her know how things work around here, right? We like to have Welcome fun in this room. Yes, we do. Yeah. Which is why I am loaded up on fireballs. All right, so uh, the way that I like to do year retrospectives is I like to do sort of a roundtable type thing where we just go down the line and each of us will mention one thing, one pop culture thing, movies, toys, clothes even. I, but you guys don't know how bad I want to talk about Zeke Cavaricci pants. Oh, but they weren't they weren't 1987, so we can't talk about them here. But we'll talk about anything that was like a pop culture phenomenon in 1987. Uh, we'll just go down the line and discuss it. And then once we've run through some, I'm going to come out to you guys. So I hope you're ready with some memories of 1987 as well, uh, and we are we're going to start with well, yeah, <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, I am going to start on the end with Gary Mitchell, who we all know. Gary, what 
Now, this we're not necessarily going in order of favoritism. We're just going to go in order of basically the thing we think that everybody else chose, so we better friggin' get to it first. Uh, and I hope you all have backups. Gary, yes. what is 1987 item number one? All right. I, was, I became 17 in 1987, so I have a very vivid memory. Oh, wow. So you were, like, just discovering, like, docking and stuff. Yeah. And I actually think I will start with a music. Uh, one, and I'm gonna go with Appetite for Destruction. Very, very strong choice. First off, Guns N' Roses, at that album was perfection. Yes. It was the album that kicked glam rock in the crotch. (laughs) It is before, so I can't say. Um, it it really ushered in, you know, a, a breath of back of, you know, this is metal. Uh, you know, Slash is one of our greatest living guitarists, and just if, there isn't a song on that album that doesn't kick ass. And I just remember the first time I heard, you know, "Sweet Child of Mine," I was just like blown away. A friend of mine was like, "You've got to hear this." The the one that got me was "Welcome to the Jungle." Uh, it was so raw and aggressive. And just wasn't like, cause in, in 87, I was 11 years old. So I was just starting to kind of get a feel for music. Like up to that point, it was all Weird Al and that was it. <laughs> so I, you know, I was just then starting to, oh, there, there's all kinds of music out there that songs that sound like exactly like what Weird Al does. Wait a minute. I'm confused. <laughs> uh, but discovering Guns N' Roses and just that raw aggression and that strut. Like, everything they did just had that strut to it. I, I was also 11. We're, I think we're the like, exact same age. Um, and I remember, like, blaring Mr. Brownstone. Yes. In my room. And every time, you'd ha- I'd have to run over and... Sorry. No, you're good. Um, running over to my, my tape player and turning it down every time they said that. And turning it back up. Because otherwise my parents would be like, what are you doing up there? And yeah. then... Heroin. Yeah, yeah parents... I'm learning about heroin. Chasing the dragon, Mom. Leave but me alone. my dad heard that album so much that to this day he still loves it. That's so, great. My dad does not. Except probably Mr. Brownstone. My, uh, my parents did not approve of Guns N' Roses. Um, <laughs> I was also 11 years old in 1987. Hell, yeah. We're looking this worked out yeah. perfectly. <laughs> yes. Um, but I didn't I didn't get into this to the next year. Uh, but I will say this. My mother, my late mother, who I love to death. Um, not literally to death, but... And, uh, I wasn't going to make that call. But No, I can, I can make the jokes about dead mom. It's been since 93. But, um... She was the type of woman, now, since it's before 10, I can't actually say what she said at the dinner table to my father, but it was basically like, there is nothing in the Bible that says I can't say the F word, but she didn't say the F word, uh, so so shut the F up, because um, they had a good relationship. And I remember I was sitting there listening to one of the songs, I forget which one, and it was pretty loud, because Paradise City was my jam. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Just, just the greatest opening of that era. And she goes, what are you listening to? And I'm like, I'm listening to Guns N' Roses. You can't listen to that. And I'm just like, this is my rebellion. This is where I'm laying my claim. Watch me. So, so I was like, okay, I won't listen to it anymore. She leaves. 
turns it right back on. Not as loud because she was yeah, yeah. she she could get she yeah. But <laughs> it was uh, to me, appetite for destruction was that first step for me into like I am going to rebel again. And I wasn't a bad kid, but it was just like that was me being bad. Right, right. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of the the line I walked like. <laughs> I was never really a big problem for my parents, but I was I was quietly like yeah. just like that. Like yeah, I was sneaky under yeah, yeah. Uh, like <laughs> under the covers with the volume really low. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Noel, what about you? What are your Guns and Roses memories? So I, I was those are the tail end of me kind of being into the, the harder rock heavy metal stuff. 87 was a whole different year for me musically discovering stuff. But so I but I did Is like Is that when you found the cure? Uh, I the cure, oh. the Smiths, uh Smash <laughs> Mode, uh, all all of them had significant releases in 87. Um, but uh, I actually really liked Appetite for Destruction and I even one of the few like hard rock bands I was still listening to because even when the later albums came out, that's how much that album influenced me that I was even buying stuff like Lies and um, Usual Illusion. Lies. Yeah. 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 Come on. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. No, we all did. I'm just yeah. saying. Yeah. Guns and Roses. <laughs> Come on. So, yeah. Rebecca, Guns and Roses? Oh, man. I, okay, I have an interesting relationship with Guns and Roses because, uh, as everyone else has already uh, divulged their age, I'm a little younger. But I had a teenage sister who... Loved her some Guns N' Roses. Like, she did the Buzz Undercut, the Blue Eyeshadow Total Rebel, and she had the responsibility of taking care of me when I was younger, around that time. And I remember she had this Guns N' Roses t-shirt that she got from a concert. And she didn't watch me at home. She took me to parties and put me in this Guns N' Roses t-shirt and shoved me upstairs in a bedroom and said, stay in here for a while, and all I heard blaring downstairs was Guns N' Roses constantly, and coupled with somebody barking in the bathroom next door, which really effed me up as a child. Well, so, I, I was going to say life lessons. You know, life lessons. Sure. Yeah, yeah. we'll go with that. It, no, it effed me up. Sorry. But anyway, uh, I have a, that's a relationship I have with Guns N' Roses. I absolutely love Welcome to the Jungle. 100% my favorite. I remember um, the first time seeing that video on MTV. Oh, my oh yeah. God. Doesn't everybody... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what is happening? Who, was, who is that wild well, animal man? It was man? such a formative moment in my in my youth. I was just like, what is this? Yeah. And how do I get more of it? And, yeah, and, and then was, I bought the tape. Well, and that was well, the first time I had seen pants. that. Oh, God, yes. And, you know, now we can all look back at the 80s and be like, aha, look at the white snake hair or whatever. Yeah. But, like, seeing Axl Rose... Uh, Again, just that animalistic quality yes, that yeah. he had. Because yeah. that was the thing. Was, you know, the first one they start with the Sweet Child of Mine release, and you're like, "This is good. Yeah, it's a little, yeah. you know, it's." And then, you know, Welcome to the Jungle starts with that primal yes. scream. Yeah. yeah, and you see him with that hair, and you're like, "Is this the same guy?" <laughs> And Gary? that video is just like flashing, and uh, it's so intense. It's Gary, like, you started us down this road. I, I would like to hear your best. Welcome to the jungle scream. <laughs> oh, geez, don't get too close. <laughs> we want to be able to hear the rest of the panel. <laughs> that, was, that was tremendous. Well done, Gary Mitchell. Now, later on, we will be teasing Gary's hair up and putting him in leather pants. So you guys stick around. You guys stick around you, for that. You brought the lard, right? <laughs> you bet I did. All right. So, uh, Nicole, what is your first okay. 1987? So, um, 
I am obsessed with horror movies. I Get out of town. I don't know if I Shocking. exude that or not. Um, however, it's my thing. Um, so I have a lot of bests, and then I have a best worst. So I guess I'll start with probably the best horror movie from 1987. Um, Hellraiser? Tied with Lost Boys. I don't know if you want to talk about Hellraiser oh, or Lost Boys. All right, now look. Of my list. So let's go with Hellraiser. I, I have to come down on the side of Hellraiser. Yeah. yeah. And you got. I know. I understand. Look, I know no, everybody Hellraiser loves Lost was Boys. Fucking mm-hmm. beautiful. There's an movie. 80s vampire panel later this weekend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they get their own deal. And, and There's honestly, no Hellraiser love. I almost movie. didn't put Lost Boys on my list just because I was like, everybody's going to put Lost Boys on their list. Um, and. I mean, Lost Boys is we. I just came back from Romania. We we just went to Romania. We went to Bran, uh, Bran Castle, and in Bran Castle in Romania, there's a poster of Kiefer Sutherland. That's the <laughs> impact of Lost Boys on the world. There's a poster of Kiefer Sutherland in Dracula's castle in Romania. But it's from A Time to Kill, which just really accused. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, so that said, I think we should talk about Hellraiser. Yes, I agree. Um. Hellraiser was one of those movies that the first time you watched it, you're like, what What did I just see? And again, I was 11 in 1987. I don't remember how old I was exactly when I saw Hellraiser for the first time. I don't believe I like saw it in the theater. I think I was way too young. Um, but it was one of those, like, when you start to realize this this movie is about, like, this movie is about sex. <laughs> and it's about like intense sex that I don't understand yet because I'm too young to understand it. Um, that the visuals of Hellraiser are so raw and so intense, and um, I mean, especially like as a budding horror freak that I was at the time, um, that movie like set the bar so high for me, and then. For years, there was, I mean, like, everything fell short of Hellraiser. Because, it, I mean, it was just, the story was so great, but the visuals were amazing. I mean, and, like, it, 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 do you really love a dude enough to, like, kill people to regenerate his skinless corpse? I don't know. You need to like, find that out. <laughs> <laughs> can, can, can you strip, strip all your skin off? No, okay. Um, so, I, I, I gotta say, um, oh, there's also Evil Dead too. Um, but no, we're gonna go with Hellraiser as my, as my number one from 1987. Uh, for me, Hellraiser, uh, was in, just bear with me. Hellraiser, when I saw it, was the scariest movie I had seen yes. since E.T. <laughs> E.T.'s a horror film. I agree with you. Some of you know how I feel I about E.T. I crawled up in a ball and sobbed. Yeah, My e. parents e. made me watch that when I was five. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I saw that in the theater and it scarred me. But me Hellraiser yeah. uh, took the place of scariest movie I'd seen at that point. And it was, I think it was because that early, when you're around that, that 11, 12, I don't remember when I saw it. I obviously didn't see Hellraiser. Well, I don't know how obvious it is. I did not see Hellraiser in the theater. Yeah. Mom and dad, who did not approve of Guns N' Roses, did not take me to see Hellraiser <laughs> me, me neither. in the theater. No. Uh, but whenever I did see it, uh, I think 
one of the reasons I miss youth so much, and I think one of the reasons we find it so fascinating to talk about things like the year 1987, is because back then so many things were new and you still discovered things. And Hellraiser was so many things I'd never seen before. Yeah, it, was it, it so was realizing that this movie is about so much more than like there were so many undertones. Right, and you knew Hellraiser. you knew there were things there that you couldn't understand, things that you shouldn't understand. Yes. But it was it, it, that disorientation was an important component of horror movies at the time yes. for me of just not. Oh, what's happening? I'm just scared. This it's is so fun. beautiful and terrifying at the same time. Yeah, my yeah. my older sister. I have three older sisters, uh, and we're all two years apart. Um, <coughs> and the one right above me, Jane, was the horror fan. She read all the Stephen King books, uh, and we were way too young to be reading the stuff we were reading. But so when she would iron, she would. The, my parents would rent her movies and they never previewed what movies that she was renting. <laughs> so this is how I saw Altered States for the first time. Oh, and speaking she, of disorienting. Yeah. <laughs> so um yes. not as disorienting as the first time I saw Deliverance, but that's a separate that's a separate story <laughs> that I'll tell later. Um so she, she loved Stephen King. She loved Clive Barker. So obviously a Clive Barker movie comes out. She's going to see it and I'm sitting there watching it. And I I was not a quick on the uptake kid, uh, you know. Some, some, you know, I was still kind of. You'll, you'll by my choice, you'll realize this. Um, but I remember sitting there watching it, and I, it was like one of those things I couldn't understand what I was watching, and I'd never experienced it before, and it made me feel not dirty, but it made me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I yeah. liked it. It was but, just like it was like one yeah. of those things where I was discovering for the first time that. Something that I don't want to see because I was the kid that couldn't watch Bill Bixby turn into Lou Ferrigno until I was eight years old, um, you know, because it freaked me out. I mean, I could watch the before and the after, but not the during. Right, right. And but it was just like one of those things where you know, because because at the same time I was discovering like the Nightmare on Elm Street films mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So it was just like, like I really liked it. I liked, I liked the 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 look of the uh, of Pinhead and just like everything about it. But I couldn't understand it. Yeah. And I was like, what's this about? And of course, she's my older sister, so she's like, shut up. Um, so it was, you know, I, I haven't seen it since that one time. So I really now want to go back and revisit it to see one, if it's going to make me as uncomfortable yeah. at 41. But also, I want to see just what I missed the first time. But that's what good horror should do. Good horror should make you feel unbalanced and uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely. And and make you, you know, kind of question things. That's when you really get that scare is when you just don't quite understand and you just feel a little queasy and weird. Yeah. Well, like that, about David Lynch films. Yeah, yes. like a... Yeah. Yeah. It's also one of the first horror movies to really adapt and use BDSM themes to make to really push yes. that uncomfortable button. Yeah. But we'll get into that <laughs> after hours. <laughs> Noel, got any Hellraiser thoughts? Uh, I've not seen Hellraiser since I was about twelve years old, and it messed me up pretty bad at the time. But that was yeah. this is you know the same year a lot of other horror stuff came out that I you know I have watched many other times since then. The VHS era. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. But it was the best. 
So yeah, nothing that I can really contribute outside of basically echoing the sentiments of, of these folks down here. <laughs> I, I just got a severe head shake from Rebecca, so we'll assume that her uh, yeah. We'll 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 now move along from Hellraiser. We we are going to about to do 180 degrees from Hellraiser unless Cobra Law freaks you out. Oh. Um, <laughs> I mean, look, I'm not that far removed so, to be honest. So 11 year old Mike was well into his GI Joe phase. Uh, in 1987. I had had my first G.I. Joe Christmas in 86. Uh, greatest story ever. Sears screwed up the order and I wasn't going to have a Christmas so my mom went out to the department store and she bought every G.I. Joe thing they had and I ended up, yeah, <laughs> I ended up getting more. Good so, mom. so I was, uh, I was well into that. So then, you know, I had missed Transformers the movie in the theater. And then there was, yeah, we were leaving for vacation, and I go, Dad, I want to see that when we get back. He's like, okay, we come back, drive by the same theater, gone. Um, But when they announced that G.I. Joe the movie was coming to television, I was just, I I am there. And I will never forget that feeling of sitting in my my living room, or the family room, watching that opening theme, and how awesome it was. And I was like... Hairs on the back of my yeah, neck yeah. standing up to this day. It's like and three yeah. of the best yeah. movies of animation yeah. ever put yeah. on a film. Yeah. Uh, funnily enough, in a uh, Wizard of Oz with Dark Side of the Moon, you can play Toby Keith's "Courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue" with it as well, um, <laughs> and it works. There's a video out there. Look it up. Um, but but it was just. And now here's I don't the thing. Want that yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing. Eleven year old Mike loved that movie. 40-year-old, 41-year-old Mike has a very different opinion of everything. <laughs> oh, you haven't looped back around yet? <laughs> no, I haven't looped back oh. around yet. The one thing I still, the one thing I... <laughs> I made it, I made it, I made it. Joe! I got a big gym. That was last that year. That was last year, Joe! Oh. <laughs> this is all Judge Reinhold's fault! <laughs> Damn you, Judge Reinhold! <laughs> uh, I have bananas, just put them in the tailpipe. Um, <laughs> oh man, deep cut. But, uh, but the one thing that I still love about that film, outside of the opening sequence of Pythona breaking into Cobra's headquarters, is anything to do with Sergeant Slaughter and and his crew? Those guys, like like the idea, still the idea to this day that a G, that a Cobra officer defected and they didn't trust him, so they gave him to Sergeant Slaughter to break. Essentially, <laughs> just uh, anything to do with Sergeant Slaughter, but. I, I guess maybe I do need to loop back around. Give, um, give it a chance, man, because okay. I, I went through my years of of not like, because I loved it when I was a kid, yeah. too. I, the Cobra Law toys were yep. the big yeah. three-pack of, right. of, of, yes. of like Galobulus, Galobulus all like. Who would never stand L. up. Yeah. yeah, but I like I loved it. And then I went through years of where I was, it was too cool for Cobra Law. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, let's see, we've basically introduced like Lovecraft into G.I. Joe and what's my problem with that? <laughs> so I'm I've looped back around. I love it again. What about you guys, finest? Clearly we have some opinions on G.I. Joe the movie. Right. Yes. Well, we're very different because I developed my love of G.I. Joe as an adult. As an adult female, which is a little weird to be with. And now I'm the CO of our finest Southern Command Garrison. So yeah, shameless plug. <laughs> fault really so um, but the movie I mean actually, the opening I'm sorry sorry April. there you go so that's much better that's a dollar in the donation bucket yes I yes. have no children I don't know 
but the movie, absolutely, the opening sequence of that film was just breathtaking. Just the, the, the song itself, I had stuck in my head for hours. It was phenomenal. And when, and I've said this before in another panel, but one of my favorite things about G.I. Joe is the strong female characters. None of the female characters in G.I. Joe need a dude for anything. They're on the same level. They're treated with the same respect. And this is the 80s. I mean, 30 years ago, there was a bit of a different opinion going on, but they didn't care. It was great. It was abs- And that's why I like it. It's just great role models for, for women and for girls out there. So. You had Pythona, who was like Pythona. a really awesome villainous she character who didn't get a figure until two years ago because G.I. Joe is silly sometimes. And that figure is like 40 bucks. Yeah. Uh. Um, no, I, I was this. I remember watching just afternoon cartoons one day and they advertised you know next Saturday we're going to be airing G.I. Joe the movie and I was confused because it's like we got a Transformers movie in the theater and now we're going to get this one on television dude that really bothered me yeah, yeah. a lot yeah, well, and now as an adult who understands business models a little better I know why <laughs> right I also know why Duke slipped into a coma Duke's going to be okay Duke's going to be okay so uh, He's yeah. only mostly dead. But, but 87 was the year that I was, was, was kind of the, the, the cracking point for me in G.I. Joe. I was 12 years old, so I was starting out to a lot of my toys. And uh, G.I. Joe was starting to get a little silly with some of the colorful characters in Cobra Law. I still love the movie. I still do love the movie to this day. So Yeah, you never had to do the loop. You've, no. you've pretty much stuck by it the whole time. Yeah. I respect that. I, I acknowledge its silliness. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I can still sit down and watch it. Pretty much, you know, every year. Other end of the table? Yeah, is that... Well, let me get this out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. Um, and for, for the audio people, it's a, I have a Cobra Imperial tattoo. Uh, but yeah, I, I remember watching that, and I, I agree with that, right? That opening, the that that music. Dun, 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 dun. You can't really sing that one like you can. (laughs) Comes the fearful cry, Cobra. I got in on the ground floor with the original set and I stayed with it through the movie. After the movie is when they started, it was when kind of when they lost me. But I stayed with them through that whole time and, you know, Joe's, I, I, you know, I'm a Cobra guy, but I love G.I. Joe and that movie is just, you know, Burgess Meredith is globulous. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, that yeah. was cool. Well, and you've also got to remember how cool the time it was uh, for Crockett, Don, Don, Lou Don, Don Johnson, <laughs> to be <laughs> voicing Lieutenant, Falcon. Lieutenant yeah. Falcon. Like, that, that was huge at the time. Mm-hmm. So, as a matter of fact, I would, I would go as far as to say that as a kid, uh, the voice cast of the G.I. Joe movie was actually a little more impressive for for my frame of reference yes. than the Transformers movie. Yeah. yeah. Who's this Robert Stack? And uh, you know, I was also a big Cobra Commander fan, so it was interesting for me to finally see his backstory. <laughs> that upset me. That, yeah, there were because he's supposed to be a used car salesman. Yeah, that was my. That's I, still I, my biggest. I want, yeah, the guy that sold Amway to fund his uh, to fund his career. Oh, right. His the com- the comics are my canon. Yeah. So like that departure. That's that's like the one departure that was too much for me. Well, although yeah. half for me, him Cobra wrapped Commander. around Roadblock, going once a man. Right. That's iconic. Yeah. Oh, and that. I mean that. Terrified me when I was twelve years old. Yeah, that was creepy. I was like, "This is this is scary." It was the scariest he'd ever been. Ironically, (laughs) Uh, Nicole, any GI Joe thoughts before we move on? Um, I'll just echo what Rebecca said. 
when when we were coming up, there was not a lot of badass female role models. Um, I had Wonder Woman. I'm a huge Wonder Woman fan. I won't get into it. Um, but but uh, like Lady J, yeah, was my GI Joe role model, and it was amazing to watch that and be like, like like you said, like she's just one of the guys. She's an equal. She's an ass kicker. And it was never a thing that she was a female. It was never, no attention was ever brought to the fact that she was a girl. She was just another Joe, another ass kicker. And 11 year old me, like there, there's a lot more now, but back then there was not a lot of tough, um, no nonsense female characters in pop culture. We had very few to choose from. Exactly. If you wanted to be a princess, that was fine. I didn't want to be a princess. I wanted to be the princess that beat your ass. <laughs> and, and she's and, wearing a uniform. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, but she was an equal. Yeah. She was no she, different than the boys. Exactly. Yes. She she wasn't better. She wasn't worse. It wasn't, oh, let's carry that thing for Lady J because it might be real heavy. Like, she was she was a Joe. She never had to be rescued. And never. that, like, that meant so much to me as, you know, the kind of girl I was growing up um, that, yeah, G.I. Joe, like, I always watched for those female characters because it was never a thing. It was never... It was just there. It yeah. was just that, oh, look, they're troops. Let's yeah. go blow some Cobra stuff up exactly. with our pink laser and beams. And she'd be like, cool, I'm just going to shoot my pew, 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 pew. And that's just like everybody had do. pink laser beams. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. just the ladies. Yeah. Yeah. But but you got to think that if you got to the Joe team, I mean, you were elite. You best yeah. of the best. Yeah. So, yeah, no, she's already so blown the other no. boys away. Mm-hmm. Right. And she's there because she deserves to be there. Because she's really good with javelins. Yes. <laughs> she had the best voice. So... Yeah. Some of you may know that one of the things I do here at Dragon Con, uh, and, and I will still use this character for some stuff, and this is one of them, I host a game show uh, that is part of the Classics track. It's the Dirty Dirty Con Con Game Game Show Show. Thank you. It's tomorrow at midnight. It is 18 and up, and we do have to check IDs at the door. But... Uh, one of the reasons I put on that game show, one of the reasons I wanted to do a game show was something that debuted in 1987 on MTV, and that is remote control. Mm-hmm. Yes! Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I, yes, yeah, much yeah. love to Ken Ober. Ken uh, oh my god. Not only did that show take a concept that I loved because I grew up watching Price is Right yes. and like the daytime show. I was never a Wheel of Fortune or Jeopardy guy. I liked the daytime game shows yes. that had the games and that like the contestants really got invested in what was going on and this took that concept and introduced props and stand-up comedy and just made it all more fun. It's, you know, say what you will about MTV, but they created some of the very best entertainment of all time. They innovated back then so much and did things yes. that nobody had done before. And I just remember uh, tuning into Remote Control religiously. It was one of my shows. And I'm 11 years old, yeah. so it wasn't like a lot of that stuff went way over my head. Uh, 
Kari Wurr did not go way over my head. <laughs> I fully understood the impact of her talent. Uh, but I just, I loved remote control. I loved the, the variety because it was fast paced because yeah. MTV understood these are young people and attention spans are shrinking. We got to get Adam Sandler out there in his stupid bathrobe to do whatever terrible accent he's doing tonight. <laughs> we got to get Leary. Colin Quinn out, yeah. Dennis yeah. Leary, like all of the great stand-ups. I mean, I don't, you guys may not be aware of this, but Colin Quinn is, is widely recognized among stand-up comedians as the greatest comic of all time. Uh, he gives Jerry Seinfeld advice. Like, he is amazing. And I got introduced to him on remote control. And so many of these guys that went on to do incredible things, whether you know about it or not, uh, that show was, was huge for me. It was, it's probably on par with Letterman for having an impact on what I think of as entertainment. And it's so really I, sad because they can't show it in reruns because of all the licensing right. and royalties. So it's uh, not well, available on DVD. It's not available. On that's the shame of all those old, yeah. into, like the yeah. state, the same way with the state. They can't show the, I mean, yes, there's a DVD out there, but it doesn't have the mu- right music. Like right. I can't even watch it. Mm-hmm. I can't even watch those sketches without the, the pants sketch that doesn't have cannonball in it. Yeah. I can't watch that <laughs> with that knockoff music. But anyway, I love remote control. Uh, it has inspired me. And I hope that those of you who, uh, have a body sense of humor and that are 18 and over uh, come out tomorrow night for the game show because it's a lot of fun and it's definitely done in the spirit of what MTV did back in the day. Uh, Rebecca, do you have any experience with remote control? And because it doesn't show in rerun and because it had, there's no DVD, I did not get to experience remote control. I mean, I remember catching a few episodes when I was young, but right. I, I didn't get any of it. Well, and that's you. I think you have to be that like yeah. that teenage, yes. like preteen like to teenage age. age. Yeah, yeah. Or or forty one. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're like the perfect remote control age. We could yeah. totally go back to it now. Yeah. No, I, I think yeah. this was one of yours, wasn't it? Yeah, this is one that I was that I was. I'm actually glad that you brought it up because now I can bring up something else. <laughs> um, no, it was musty TV. There was there was like two or three shows that I made sure I watched every time they aired, and I saw yes. every episode of Remote Control. I mean, there were you know. Multiple incarnations. Kari Wurr was, you know, she was the second. Of yeah, the three, she was later, and she was the longest tenured of the three right. uh, girls in the show. But uh, I mean, I remember seeing the chain. I can't remember the, the original co host name. Sorry. Marisol, yeah. Marisol, wow! Yeah. I wish I had a prize yeah, for you. Exactly. Here's I stopped pen. bringing prizes because I already bring like 800 pounds of stuff. I had a remote control sweatshirt by Shasta It was my dream to go on that shirt, to go on that show, but I wasn't old enough at the time. So right, right. Had to wait a few years. I think all of us had fantasies about going on remote control. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I would yeah. quiz myself yeah. watching music videos, like, real quick to yeah. see if I could, you know, I could do this. I could totally name all 10 yeah. in, you know, 30 seconds. Uh, it was the first game show where I, uh, the trivia game show where I knew the answers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and or for me, or cared about yeah. the answers. Oh yeah, Jeopardy, that's even more important. Because you know, my parents watched uh, Wheel of Fortune. You know, it was the the, the holy trinity of Empire, Entertainment Tonight, Jeopardy, and Wheel of Fortune. Yes, um, yes. And you know, I, I would watch it, and I'd be like, "Well, I know that." Well, I didn't know that one, but I knew the next one, and it, and I loved it because it was so. It was so different from everything. We, we talk about fantasizing about being on it. A good friend of mine uh, who lives in New York, uh, who I podcast with occasionally, he's just like, yeah, I was on that show. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. He was on the show. Uh, he got oh taken out. He, was, he, was, he came in second. But it was just like one of those things where, like, 
Wait, 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 no, you have to talk about this. Uh, and, yeah, and that's like a whole episode yeah. Yeah. podcast Here, right everything. there. I, and, I almost uh, wanted to lose so I could be on the couch there. Yeah. 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 Where did they go? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, they went and defeat Adam Sam- the demon Adam Sandler sold his soul to. So. Yes. And as a, I actually am a trivia host, too, uh, part-time, and I will still occasionally use some inspiration for that, like dead or Canadian. <laughs> I will use that category occasionally. And then the bonus ones where they were dead and Canadian. Dead Canadian or both, yes. Yeah, same thing. I'll echo everyone's sentiments. That show was, I mean, it was like not miss. You watched every episode. You talked about it at school the next day. You know, it was like, especially for our ages, it was like really shocking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, uh, it still we were had young that, at like, the time. Oh so, my! Yeah, it was something that you would watch with the TV, kind of turned down low, and yeah. sit like right up close because oh. I didn't really want my parents. I would be downstairs in the basement, like in the rec room, which we had, <laughs> <laughs> you know, watching remote control just quiet enough so like I could hear it, but my parents couldn't hear it because I didn't want them to be like, "What are you watching?" Because it was just racing enough. It's funny how it's funny how in the same boat we are. Because my my I, I was the same way. I had to do things very low We're key. We're a couple months apart. Uh, yeah. Well, and my parents, uh, my parents would not allow me to watch Roseanne because in the opening credits, somebody came in and put their shoes on the dining room table. <laughs> that's where. That's how this happens. So, those of you that are a little strict with your kids, this is what you end up with. The guy that hosted the Dirty Game Show at Dragon Con. So, that's a win. Yeah, they yeah. don't know about that game show either. <laughs> that game show is something. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that, I mean... God, I haven't thought about remote control in years, and it it was it was so important to it's, me. It's got to it be out there. So important. somebody's got like VHS. I remember out there was there. a kid that I went to school with that um, he had that kind of Ken Over hair, and we nicknamed him Ken Over. Oh. And to this day, I periodically see him on Facebook, and I'm like, ah, oh, it's Ken Over. <laughs> For I mean, from seventh grade until I graduated high school, I called this kid Ken Over. I think his name was Mike. It doesn't know. matter. It doesn't matter. Nobody because cares. to me, he was my He's kid over. over. And I actually found him on Facebook a couple of years ago and just messaged him and was like, Ken Over! And he's like, oh, yeah, he's okay. like, uh, it's that you girl. again. Yeah. Let's not start this. <laughs> but, so, yeah, it was everything at the time. W- once again, MTV really setting a standard for, we are for entertainment MTV for generation. young people. Yeah, we are. We, we are. are absolutely. We are I mean, influenced MTV entirely. now, I mean, I, 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 it's just like well, it's, not it's, even it's pregnant yet. teenagers and, and whatever. But when we were coming up, it, it was Everything. That was it. It, it was on twenty four seven. Yeah, it defined our entire pop culture. Yeah, really. And they played yeah, these for me. It was pretty videos. much the last must watch show on MTV. <laughs> yeah. Right about after that was when Polly Shore came in and all this stuff that I didn't give a rat's ass about. Oh, whoa, we diverged significantly <laughs> there, my friend. I had a Polly Gary, Shore your age is yes. showing. Yes, I know. We'll, we'll, I know. Uh, next I'm a year, huge son-in-law fan. Next year on the classics <laughs> track, we will have the Polly Shore panel. Oh, I'm, all, I'm, I'm like putting in to be on that because I love Polly. We'll do it. Huh? We'll do but, it. But, yeah, we could get Polly Shore problem, right? I think he's actually outside. All right, we got to uh, we got to keep moving. We all love remote control, but Noel, what is yours that is not remote controlled? So, uh, 1987 was the year of one of my favorite movies of all time. The first time I got introduced to the Coen Brothers, Raising Arizona. Yes. Oh, uh, nice. Very nice. nice. 
Well, because if A stars the greatest living actor in the world today, and I say that without an ounce of irony in my voice, Nicolas Cage, um, <laughs> was really my introduction to him and to Holly Hunter and yeah. just to the directing style of, of the Coen brothers. And I watched that movie as a kid, and I enjoyed it then, and it's one of the few that, like, I, as I continue to watch it over the years, I started understanding more about film, and I was like, oh, I see what they're doing there, I see what they're doing here. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it, it was a huge influence on me. It's stuff that I used to write, and... Um, so, yeah, and of course, via that movie, I discovered things like, you know, the Hudsucker Proxy, the, the movie that everyone forgets. Uh, you no, know, for the kids. Brother, where are I, you? My, my preference, actually, is Hudsucker Proxy over Raising Arizona. Uh, Miller, Crime Miller's Wave. Crossing. Um, Crime Wave. Wow, oh, yeah. deep cut. <laughs> nice. But, yeah, so that the, probably the biggest influence on me as like a, as a writer uh, was the Salad Cohen Brothers, specifically from that movie. The, the first time Noel, uh, saw, cause I, I've known Noel for many years prior to, to when I started doing this, the first time Noel saw me wearing this, he said, boy, you got a panty on your head. <laughs> <laughs> and for Halloween last year, I went as H.I. McDonough with a panty on my head. So. <laughs> right. Raising Arizona, my, obviously oh, you've yeah. got. Uh, I mean, words. it's fabulous. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, so my family, we watched movies together. Um, and there were certain movies that became part of the Bailey family lexicon. Uh, my sister Jane, at, at eight years old, would go down the hall getting the laundry going, bring out your dad. So <laughs> we saw that movie, and suddenly phrases like, I get them menstrual cramps real hard and works what's kept us happy started seeping into the family. It's one of those movies where I really started to kind of realize where my sense of humor was going. Because a lot of people watch that film and they don't think it's funny. I think it's freaking hysterical from beginning to end. And it's just, it's not like your traditional, like, ha-ha movie. It's just like one of those things where... You know, he's he's being arraigned and having his picture taken, and he's professing his love to her. And she's like, turn to the right! And it's just, it would make me laugh every single time. And <laughs> I love him so much! I mean, it's just like, it's like one of these brilliant films, and, 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 and we were Coen Brothers fans in the family. My parents loved Blood Simple, which they would never show to me. Um... That would come later. Yeah, but it's just like one of those things where it's just everything about that film just makes me happy as mm-hmm. a person. And it, and there's, I mean, so many really neat story arcs and so many overall themes in it and the, the idea of the lone biker of the apocalypse. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, that frightened me <laughs> the first time I watched that. But. I don't. I don't really have anything to add other than that's just a fabulous movie. I mean, it's comedy gold. Um, uh, one of my favorite. Yeah, and it was my introdu- introduction to the Coen Brothers as well. And it, uh, I remember the first time watching it, just going, "What is happening? Yeah, what is going on?" <laughs> and just falling in love with it, and just the, the narration. That it was one of those few movies that, as a comedy, you learn. It, 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 you don't have to throw jokey, jokey, joke. You can do it by tone. You can do it by character. Yes. And just the, his narration is so dead on and just the bits of, like, I'll be taking these huggies and everything in the register. <laughs> or I would find myself driving past gro- convenience stores that were out of my way. <laughs> and it's just, it's, you never leave a man behind. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, John Goodman is just a revelation. That, and 
free having grown up in everything. John Goodman is one of the best actors to yeah, this day. He's never been so underrated. He's never had an off day in a movie done. or yeah. a TV show or anything. Yeah. He's probably the like most unsung hero of Hollywood as far as he's never been right. nominated yeah. for any like major awards or anything, but he is and never turned in a bad performance and, and in and five, 40 years. Every Oddly time enough, he steals I love show, him. Everything he's in, he steals mm-hmm. show. I love him because of Roseanne, which I was not allowed to watch. Yeah, yeah and that's By where I was introduced to John Goodman. Yeah. So everything that I see with John Goodman and I compare to John Goodman and Roseanne. Yeah, he's Dan. And yeah, to me, yeah, Dan Connor was my dad. Like, I, I always, like, my dad was kind of like that. Yeah. Like, that weird sense of humor, that dry sense of humor. So, like, I always Oh, your dad it. had a sense of humor? That's he, awesome. I know. It was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca, 1987, tell us your thing. Oh, my God. I can't believe I get to do this. This is, like, nobody else has mentioned this, and it's my thing now. Okay. Are everybody ready for a sing-along? Okay. Oh, boy. There we go. Oh, there we go. Boy. Okay. I'm going to start off, and you guys chime in. Okay. When you're living in a bubble and you haven't got a care, we're <laughs> <laughs> gonna be in trouble because we're gonna steal your air. I had to wait for the chorus. Yeah. 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 Okay, apparently, I am the biggest spaceball nerd in this room, which is fine, which is fine because. Uh, Mel Brooks, everything that he does, I am a huge fan. Yes, yeah. yes. I, he can he can do no wrong. And the day he dies, I'm gonna die too. Ugh. I mean, it's just I can't. I don't even want to think about how old he is. I don't want to know. Just don't tell me. No, no. It's kind of like Stanley. It's like He's twelve. Thank mm-hmm. you. Perfect. That's great. Absolutely. Um, but just an all star cast. Rick Moranis, who we may never see anything from ever again. Daphne Zuniga, John Candy, Joan Rivers, and as of that time, the majorly unknown Bill Pullman. The president. The yep. president of the United <laughs> States, Bill Pullman. He was in every film so, in the 90s. Well, and then you got, you know, Dick Van Patten and Michael Winslow, who doesn't love Michael Winslow. Yeah. One of the biggest stars of the 80s. Yes. <laughs> um, but interesting tidbit about Spaceballs that I was reading up on today was that um, Mel Brooks wanted a big star to, to play Lone Star. He wanted Tom Cruise or Tom Hanks, one of the Toms, you know, at the time. And um, he didn't get them, and he was disappointed about that. But when Joan River, Joan Rivers and John Candy approached him about the film, he's like, all right, cool, let's cast some relatively unknown person. We got Bill, Pil- Bill Pullman out of that. Bill, Bill, what did I say? Bill not, Pillman. Not Bill Pillman. Said Bull Bull Pillman. Pillman. Which is actually a wrestler that competed at DCW last <laughs> night. Bull Pillman. Keep an eye out for him. He's on the rise. And another interesting tidbit about it is that George Lucas loved it. Because it, it was a major parody of Star Wars. He absolutely loved it. But they did make a deal prior to the, to the release of the film. Because, you know, a big gimmick in the movie was, you know, Spaceballs, the action figure. Spaceballs, the flames. Merchandising. Merchandising. George Lucas said, this is great. You can do this, but no action figures. He said, you cannot make action figures because they're going to look too close to our action figures. And this was actually several years after Star Wars when Star Wars was kind of like petered out. I mean, never petered out for me. We were in the fine. Ewok years. Yeah. yeah. So... So I mean, there's just so many great, great parodies in in there and everything. I just thought that was really interesting that George Lucas gave it his thumbs up and said he like something like he almost peed his pants laughing at it. So um, just one of my absolute favorite movies of all time. I know we've all kind of mentioned movie or TV show thing. Um, got plenty of other stuff on my list, but I know we've got majorly short time. So Spaceballs. And, and yes. she's not kidding because she quotes it 
Yeah, like every day. That's true. There's a, there's a space balls quote that comes out of her mouth just pretty much every day. I, I think... She's gone from suck to blow. The yeah. fact that you were absolutely positive everybody was going to sing along with that <laughs> is one of the most charming things I've ever seen yeah. in my life. I love that, and I feel terrible that we let you down. But I, okay. I love Spaceballs, but I don't... I, 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 this, like, you started, and I was like, I know this. What is this? Is yes. it, it's not Gem, is it? Why would that be Gem? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I, well, well, it's not even 87, yeah. so it was... It was Sunday awesome. night, in this room, 11 o'clock, we are showing space balls. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Uh, but yeah, so you'll be here. I <laughs> Rebecca said everything you could possibly say about space yeah. balls. It's Sorry. fantastic. Yes. It's wonderful. I, it boggles my mind that there are people that think it's one of Mel Brooks's weaker works. Very I don't understand cool. that at no. all. No, no, it's perfect. Yeah, that foaming the like desert. <laughs> well, you look at you look at the internet long enough, and you're going to see all kinds of things. Trust me, I know because I do a dirty game show. Uh, but yeah, that's one of the most offensive things I've ever seen on the internet. Was like apparently there's a there's an opinion out there, and I don't agree with it at all. But <laughs> we. Uh, we all love Spaceballs. We've only got a few minutes left here. Real quick, uh, do we have anybody in the audience that came ready to discuss something they love from 1987? Uh, you, sir, you, you've already talked about your remote control sweatshirt. I don't know what you're going to have that can top that. Well, I've got something that will top it. Okay, okay. Here we go. What have you got? Oh, this is... Oh, my gosh. Look at this guy's Alfred Hitchcock shirt. <laughs> Wow. Okay, what do you got from 1987? The Princess Bride. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 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 Did you see it in theater? Did you see it on VHS? No, I, I saw it in theater with my girlfriend at the time. I think we were about there were about four people in the theater at that time to see it because it didn't really when it first came out it didn't really catch on. It sort of grew in video after that. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's one of those movies that I quote constantly. And, um, you know, if, if someone's leaving, like someone's come to visit me and they're leaving and they're like, we'll see you later, I'm always, have fun swimming in the castle. Always, I say that. It's one of my favorite films. And I, I just think, like, uh, you know, I mean, look at the cast. Christopher Guest, Chris Sarandon, Carrie Elways, Andre the Giant, I mean, Manny Patinkin, and it's just oh, awesome. Oh, All right, anybody else got a 1987? And Wallace Shawn, who's here? Yes. Inconceivable! <laughs> Going to my favorite medium, which is video games. The greatest video game series ever made started in 1987 with The Legend of Zelda. Uh, the American movies. We, we actually debated that when we did um, an Eagle Sings podcast. We did our 1987 episode, and we had to cheat a little bit. I thought you were going to say Leisure Suit Larry in the Land of the Lounge. <laughs> oh, that's a strong entry. Isn't there that was, a Leisure Suit Larry panel? That was on my short list. 1987? <laughs> oh, what you got? Well, I feel it was bad for bringing this up because there's a whole other session on this, but uh, RoboCop is just... Uh, oh, yes! We'll be talking about that tomorrow. It's a fabulous movie from top to bottom. I, I, I'm glad you brought it up, and, and the panel is RoboCop and Predator, which in my opinion are two perfect movies. Yes. Like That's not hyperbole to me. Every minute of both of those movies is excellent. I will miss that panel, though, because I will be hosting a panel with Kane. Uh, 1987. Anybody else? Oh, up front. Oh, I'm going to get to you first. Ernest goes to Yay! Yay! Yes! 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 Yes
On an earnest note, uh, the Kyoto brothers are guests here at Dragon Con, and they did the creature effects for Ernest Scared Stupid. So keep an eye out for those guys. We all know the 80s are basically the golden age of toys. Yes. Um, but 87 saw possibly the, the release of the last great epic place, place uh, and that was Defiant Space Complex. Mm. It all went downhill from there. I mean, that, that's the last pinnacle of 80 toys right there. Yeah, that was, and I didn't have the Defiant. I had the flag, but no Defiant. And you the had Defiant, the flag? Yeah. Oh, I hate you. <laughs> 1987, anybody else before we wrap this thing up? I can get, can I get Gary? Where are we on time? We can run long. Okay. Hey, all right. That's what we do here, because we're still having fun. What you got? Well, it's not super great now, but it was a good memory at the time, the Masters of the Universe movie. Yes! Let me just, oh, yes! Let me just plug something here. That's where I got my name. For the Needless yep. Things podcast, <laughs> we just recorded, uh, we do something called a Needless Commentary, where we sit around and we drink and we talk over the movie. <laughs> Obviously, we're not the creators, but we have fun. We just did a commentary on that, and... And it was good! Gary, I'm getting ready to burn this place down, I apologize... We came to the consensus that Masters of the Universe live-action movie is far, far superior to Krull. Yes! Uh, all right. I think this is going to be our last one. What do you guys think? I wore, wore the shirt just for the occasion, The Running Man. Oh, yes! The Running Man was oh, on my nice list. That was everybody check out The Running Man shirt. Looked good here for But we didn't get to it yes. because we had too much good stuff. All right. I think one more and then we're done. Or we, we got good? five minutes. Right, we've got five minutes. Yeah, We're supposed to do five minutes now. We could go. Everybody, we could do, we could everybody, do a shotgun round. Everybody, look up the Spaceballs <laughs> theme on your phone. And go, and yeah, Ryan Cadaver was born in 1987. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, we all love Ryan. I had Cadaver. to say it at some point. Look at that little baby. <laughs> all right. That, that, that cute little baby Hulk in the front Hogan's row was born in 1987. Andre the Giant. All right. We, we've got enough time. We're just going to run down. And, and, and uh, get one more pick from each of you. Actually, we're going to start over here with Rebecca this oh, time. Man. Oh, you've got so many notes. I know. Maybe we need to do another podcast. I have a whole podcast. Yes. Okay, Rebecca, one more. Uh, oh, you've okay. got a microphone. What am I doing? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Um, oh, gosh, there's so many things. Um, mannequin. Mannequin. Yeah. Mannequin. Yeah. Mannequin. Mannequin. In the theater, yeah. my 11th birthday. Yeah. Mannequin. Kim Cattrall, Misha Taylor. I love that movie. Little known guy, James Spader. Yes. Um, G.W. Bailey. I mean, just uh, wonderful, wonderful film. Apparently, it only has a uh, 22% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. They're wrong. F all them. F them. No wood. A uh, largely forgotten uh, animated series from 87 called Bionic 6. You know, if, if you had the the six million dollar man and the bionic woman got married and then went and adopted a bunch of kids from around the world, um, <laughs> and the toy line had diecast and translucent parts, which was awesome. Michael yeah. Bailey. I think what you mean is that they adopted the uh, Benetton ad. Yes. Um, <laughs> something that this man brought up on his site that made me so happy: Werewolf the series. Oh dear. <laughs> Okay, so it was a half-hour Incredible Hulk with a werewolf, but I love a werewolf. That. Yeah, Chuck Connor. Chuck. I want. I still want werewolf Buck Rogers. What is that, Nicole? Okay, so I'm obsessed with horror movies, and I did a best worst of 1987. 
nobody's ever seen this movie, Zombie Five Killing Birds. Starring oh, you're Robert Vaughn, <laughs> Robert Vaughn of Motley and Associates commercial fame, as well as several other things, comes back from Vietnam, kills his cheating wife, gets blinded by birds, and then like flashes forward some years, and he's a bird expert, and then zombies come. But then there's ghosts, perhaps, and there's I have to see stuff this. moving by itself. I it, have... it was marketed as one of the zombie movies, like the Fulci zombie because movies. Everything because was. everything yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah. A series of unrelated movies. Yes, yeah, but then all. zombies come for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> They're just madness. in a weird house, and then zombies come again for no reason. <laughs> see it. Zombie 5, Killing Birds. Guess how many people die by birds? Zero. <laughs> it's amazing. All right, Gary, you, you're the pressure's on. I know. You've got to bring us home with something hot. I got, got it. I got it. The Max Headroom. Oh. Oh. The first cyberpunk show on TV. Great satire of TV in general. Predicted the multitude of networks that we have now. Yeah. And starring Matt Frewer, who I love. Yes. And Amanda Pace. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. I, that's, it, still show, it still holds up. You watch it now. It, that satire still works. We we could sit here for hours discussing the awesome stuff from 1987. If you guys go to Wikipedia and look up just movies from 1987, it's insane. Everything that came out was, like, noteworthy and remarkable. Yeah. But we got to wrap it up because we have another panel coming up called Sci-Fighters where we will be sitting here and determining who would win the battle between monsters and supernatural fighter-type people. Ghostbusters, the brothers from Supernatural, whatever. That's coming up next, so stick around if you're into that. And this that one is crazy. We take all the input from the audience. Like, you guys basically, we just sort of stand up here and look like we look. You guys do all the work. So, guys, that is it for 1987. Remember to go into the DragonCon app and rate this panel if you want more of this kind of stuff. Uh, give it five stars. If you don't, then don't worry about going into the app and rating it. Uh, but thank you very much. 1987 rule. Go to the podcast. These people may have cards. Go to the job. Find us. Go to the fortress of I hope that you guys enjoyed the few bonus minutes before the panel actually started. I, I debated on whether or not to leave that in there because I, I like to keep panel stuff kind of just the panel and, and not all the little conversation beforehand. But the fact that a, a girl came up and showed me a picture of Dong Pie, I mean, that had to go in. I, I think you'll agree that had to be included. And... I, Guys, this was just so much fun. It it, it helped my heart uh, after a rough night, and I hope that you enjoyed listening to it. Uh, next week, I expect to be another... Actually, the next two episodes should also be Dragon Con panels. I'm not positive which ones yet, but they were... They were all good. I, I've got... I mean, you've, if you've seen my schedule, you know... I had a panel with Kane. I had a panel with Kane and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. I had a panel about Santa Clarita Diet that was a late night panel on Sunday that ended up being 
so much fun with two people that really just were were great. We had great chemistry and had a fun time. Uh, I've got two panels with Tim Clark that I may combine into one big episode because there are a couple things we've covered before. I'm going to see how I can edit that one together. It's going to be a matter of having the time to sit down and edit it, so that probably won't be next week's. Uh, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll find out. Uh, Sci-Fighters, since the audio possibly has been recovered. Oh, I didn't even mention that at the beginning. My re- my recorder, the toilet recorder, is is working now. Craziness. All right. I love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Needless Things podcast. You're the best. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vicks employee. And of course, it's at needlessthingssite.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh-huh.